And three, two, one. You're listening to The Real Social Proof Podcast with Mr. Sleepers for Suckers himself, David Shand. Let's get it. Welcome to another edition of The Real Social Proof Podcast. And social proof is the concept of someone building something and being able to prove that they built it so much so that they can teach somebody else how to do what they've done. Why? Because they've actually done it. And we got some more social proof. My OG, first off, <laughs> um, if y'all have been able to see me move over the last couple of years, um, largely in part because um, I, I, I really have someone that I can lean on and ask questions and really give me the game. So, uh, Mr. Kendall Finkley, you have oh. helped my mindset tremendously. Yo, first Thank of you. all, I'm, I'm honored to hear that. Um, I know before we was talking about me being an OG, I'm 52 years old. Mm-hmm. I know I'm looking. Running circles around <laughs> us. <laughs> but every now and then, like every time I meet, I'm like, yo, how old are you? You 30, you 40? Mm-hmm. But man, I'm honored. Like, I, I appreciate that. That means a lot. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, man. we come from the same stock, too. Oh, yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. We, we got the same, we came from the same team, same coach, same general manager. Well, I remember, I, and so, true story, I remember, um, I, w- I was doing something. I just started with CJ maybe about a year in. And um, I said, yo, I want to do something at um, Georgia State because I was already there every week. And so I said, I wanted to do like a six-week speaker training thing. And C was like, I was like, but I ain't got nobody to bring in. And C was like, okay, call call Jers. I was like, who Jers? <laughs> I'm like, yo, who was Jers? He was like, Shaz, Dave. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, I know I'm being shot. He said, yeah. So um, I hit you up. I remember we had that conversation. I said, boom, boom, boom. And you started asking me questions. And I was like, you, you know what? Because I didn't know you, I didn't expect you to be that friendly. Like, mm. it was like, you. I remember we met, you, me, you, and somebody else met. We talked about it. You was like, let's get it. Um, so we went and we did it, and it was phenomenal. And after that, we did that entrepreneur thing. Yes, remember sir. Remember we did it yes, for sir. three or four weeks. Yep. And um, I was there so much, Georgia State gave me an honorary Alpha Kappa Psi. Really? I'm talking about did a ceremony for me and everything brought me into their business frat, I was like, okay. I, I lived in Georgia State doing Oh, that's thing. crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So for those that don't know uh, Mr. Kendall Ficklin, um, I guess kind of share with people who you are, a little bit about your background, what you got going on now. Yeah, so most people, they, that's when they drop that whole, I help people, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, nah, I ain't going to do that. So I'm, if whenever people ask me like what I do, I always say, I'm a business man. I'm not a businessman. Yeah. Like, I was telling you earlier, like, I'm a natural-born hustler, but I want to make sure people understand that these days in the positive sense. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't always like that. Oh, no, I was, saying, I was moving major work. I still, <laughs> I like the concept of it, but, so, I graduated high school in 1986. Mm, I was born in 84, bro. Bruh. Uh, <laughs> so, I graduated in 86, and um, I never had a job during high school. You know, some people do McDonald's, Burger King. We used to, I used to sell loose joints. Mm-hmm. Like that was when it wasn't blunts. They was with the white Easy Water paper. Mm-hmm. You sold loose joints. Um, had my own car at uh, seventeen. My sister gave me her Monte oh, wow. Carlo. It was a nineteen seventy four Monte Carlo. It was green with the white back. Mm-hmm. And I used to have a matchbook that held the steering wheel up and a metal plate that kept my foot from going through. <laughs> um, and when I graduated high school, I always tell the story how my mother was like, "All right, I'm leaving." At, right after I got my empty envelope because it wasn't a a diploma in it, mm-hmm. empty envelope. She said, I'm leaving. I was like, where you going? She said, I'm, I'm moving in with my fiance. You got the apartment, rent due next week. Good luck. 
And my mother was the How old were you? Oh, I was 18. Oh, wow. I was 18. Just um, graduated high school. Or did you graduate? Yeah, I graduated. I walked. Right. You, oh, yeah. yeah oh, a, my people know what that means. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> um, and so I was basically on my own, but she raised me like that. I've been on my own since I was 12, 13. And so um, I had to make a do. So I went and got a job at UPS. Um, car kept breaking down. My sister got me a new car um, that I always tell people, if she listened to this, I co-signed for it. Um, <laughs> and then I started working at UPS. While I was at UPS, I was selling to the guys that worked at UPS. Uh, we, selling what? I was, just weed, marijuana joints. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> you know, back gotcha. then we called them marijuana right, joints, right. selling, but I was working on, they called UPS the plantation back then. Let me ask you, okay, I don't know if this how the joints, right? Is it like pre-roll <laughs> or you had to roll them yourself? So or here's you the problem. Wholesale here's the problem. All right. Technically, you're supposed to roll them yourself. Right. I never could roll. Even when I was an adult and I used to smoke, I never could roll. I was the horrible roller. I, it was, either it was too wet, it paused. Um, <laughs> but I never could roll. Like, so I used to find somebody to roll them for me. Mm. And we used to put them in a, um, a, a, a Ziploc baggy bag mm. and they'd just be full of joints for like $2. For $2. Don't ask me how, how much they pay. cost you. I want to I want to know. I remember the, um, the numbers behind it. So I remember probably the first time I spent I didn't spend anything the first time. I had an OG and I always got That's stuff right. on credit. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm thinking about it, I always got stuff on credit. Always. Oh, it's just like I'm just a good dude. Right. Contrary <laughs> to what some people may say. Um, but my whole life like I've always been attracted to the art of the game, mm-hmm. of making money, of hustling, things like that. And so I graduated high school, man, and during that time, you name it, I did it. Whether it was dope, whether it was a home improvement business with my father and my uncle, um, I sold cell phones when they first came out. Mm-hmm. I had a 1987 Dodge Colt, brand new, and I bought it without an air conditioner. Mm. Brand new, I had five-star rims on it, a pull-out sound system, a, a mobile phone in the car. Sheesh. I went to... I think it was Bell Atlantic at the time, got a, a reseller's hookup. And I used to ride around, taking applications, calling up, calling it in. That was when you had to have an 850 credit score to get uh-huh. a phone. And the phones were this big, and you had to program them. And I would ride around selling phones. Really? And calling it in. I had a beeper business. You remember beeper? Oh, for sure. Skytel. Had a beeper <laughs> business. Um, cats used to come to my garage and pay their beeper bill. And um, people thought I was selling dope at the crib, but they were paying their four ninety five a month beeper bill. And I, I had bunch, I used to take the beepers apart, put it, man, we had fun. I used to go Goodness to New York, gracious. get the fake coach bags, mm. put them on eBay. Um, we, I just, you name it. Yeah. And I always cut hair. So I moved here to Atlanta in September 1999 mm. and um, did a little stint at IBM Consulting. Then did some consulting at Georgia Pacific. Hold on, you did consulting at yeah, IBM. Yeah, I was you hoping get... you didn't ask me that. So, <laughs> like what? Hold yeah. on. Now let me tell you. Um, so, you know how you have companies where they they do contract work, mm-hmm. right? So I went to one of those companies here. I want to say I might. I told somebody to go there one time, but I went there and I told them like I had my own consulting company, and I told them I had about fifteen or twenty people that work with me, tech guys. Why? Oh yeah, yeah. I ain't, I ain't no idea. And so they said, well, look, we have a contract at IBM. Can you get five or six guys, five or six of your guys to come? So I literally had a consulting contract with IBM, my own consulting company that wasn't even incorporated. Um, (laughs) And so they gave me a contract and I had went and got a few guys that I had met to go in there and work. And I did that for about four months, did the same thing at Georgia Pacific and Georgia Pacific called me. They needed 15 guys. So I had guys that I had met at IBM. I got them and we went to Georgia Pacific. 
So I, you built a business based on somebody said, okay. Like, I was just making stuff up. Yeah. I'm sorry, <laughs> like we do today. <laughs> we still do. I uh, love it. And so um, went to Georgia Pacific. And in Georgia Pacific, I literally ran the entire help desk for the whole company. Really? Bruh, on a consulting gig and watch. They said, look, we want to offer you a permanent job. And I was like, bet. What are the numbers? And they was going to cut my pay in half. So I was doing probably about $65 an hour. They wanted to cut that in half and then said, but we're going to give you full benefit. I was like, mm-mm, I need the cash. Oh, yeah. And they said, well, if you don't take this, then we got to let you go. See you later. I walked away and just said to myself, I'll make it um, doing website design and tech consulting work. I'm low-key a tech head. Um, and that didn't work. And I just finally said, yo, let me just get back in the shop. And I started cutting hair 2001 here in Atlanta, and that was it. Like, I cut hair for 15 years. And you didn't do anything else other oh, than cut no, hair? While I cut hair, I was selling dope. Still? Was, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. I was, I've always I've been a natural-born hustler. Right. So while I was cutting hair, um, early on I wasn't doing anything until I got my first shop. Mm-hmm. And I had this room in my first shop called um, the Boom Boom Room. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sold clothes in there. DVDs, uh, CDs. So remember back in the day, uh, you, they used to have the list. Yeah. And you sure. can get movies. Yep. So um, if any of my moms are listening to this, so we used to bring the young guys in and put them to work. My sons, um, the young boys, we would, guys would be getting a haircut and they would give them a menu of movies. While they're getting a haircut. And the guys would check off what they wanted. Oh. They would take the list to the boom boom room. They downloaded it and did mass production. And I was wholesaling all of the local DVD guys. I promise you, if the feds had came in, I'd be in jail what? right now. What? Yeah, we was moving work. We used to, uh, okay, I'm, we was moving DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> and then anything like cats. There got to be some sort of statute of limitation. I think you Bruh, might be right. Cats would come in the shop selling TVs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And me and Kendall, my son, would be like, yo, where you get that from? We trying to find the plug yeah. so we can move our own TVs out of there. It, man, those were good days. We wow. had good days. And so I tell everybody, when they ask me, what do I do? I say, I'm a business man. I'm not a businessman. Because for almost 30 years, like I look in these social media streets now, Dave, and I see people doing what they do and they do a great job at it. And what I say is I've been a full time entrepreneur slash business owner for nearly 30 years. Wow. And, and I say that in all humility. And when I do say that, that means I got to wake up every day and turn nothing into something. Yeah. Like there is no like these times that we're going through. Business is like that. You got it's cyclical. You're going to have ups and downs, but you have to know how to make it through when 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 stuff ain't going to where it needs to go. And so, like, I just I learned early on that you got to hustle for your business, but don't turn your business into a hustle. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, yeah, first off, I think that's just genius where you're maximizing the customer in the chair like they already signed up to get a haircut. But it's like you say you want fries with that. You want a DVD with that. Just here. Just take the menu. Like, first off, you're going to get the menu regardless. Yeah. And And it wasn't just that. Like, it wasn't just DVDs or CD. It would be um, we bought we made our own product. So we would get the big buckets of shape of uh, black soap. Mm -hmm. And I would have the young guys. It was almost like they'd be back there turning the soap. And we put it in bottles, cut it with uh, water, and sell black soap, liquid black soap. Uh, I was selling oils, incense, oils. Um, so on this list, you can get anything from, anything from oils to DVDs bro, to something to get you through the weekend. Anything. We used to manage strippers. Like, it, bro, you name it, I did it. Oh, bro, I promise you. Um, that's why I say I'm, I, I made it this far for 30 years um, without having a true story, real, real, real true story. In 2012, when I got sick, 
Um, I was burnt out from the shop. I retired. I writ- wrote my first book. And I said, told my wife, I'm done. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not going back to cutting. I retired. And um, I had went down to, um, it was on Peachtree Street, right across the street from the Ritz-Carlton. They had a co-working. And um, it was during that time where I said, I'm going to sell this book and I'm going to go speak. Like, that's what I'm going to do. And I was down there. I had to wear button-up down there. You know, I typically like to be like sweatsuit. Yeah. And um, I reached out to Cantus back then. I wanted him to coach me. A few people I wanted to coach me. And it just wasn't working well. I had to go and do spoken word at places mm-hmm. just to sell books for 5 and $10. And um, I remember, like, for real, I remember one time um, I had went to the Apache. Mm-hmm. And I bought Kendall, um, uh, his wife, my wife, the kids and everything. Everybody had 10 books. Like, yo, when I go up there, I'm going to save my little hookup. I had my youngest son write me a spoken word. Mm-hmm. And so I did the spoken word and I told everybody. Um, Hold on. You didn't even write your own spoken word? No. Um, yeah, no, 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 no. And, um, I remember saying it and I used to wear this big hat, like back in good times, mm-hmm. I used to wear a big hat and I sold out on all my books. So like 30 books. Mm. Yeah. And so I remember went through that thing and went through that period. And one day things had got tight because the books wasn't moving. And my wife said, Oh, I, I cringe now when I hear it, when I think about it, she said, maybe you should just go get a job. That's what I did. And I was like, a what? I said, how about I just go cut hair mobile? Because my guys were already saying, like, yo, come and cut me, come and cut. So I went mobile again. And so you shut the shops down. Yeah, I shut. It was New Year's Eve 2012. Everything was shut down. Mm. I, everything was I was sick. Like, I literally had went from almost 200 pounds to a buck 40. Wow. Yeah. I remember my man came from Florida to see me, and he just cried. Because he was, he ain't no, I thought, I was, I'm going to be honest. I had this lump up under my chin. I thought that I was going to die. Like, I was, I was drinking heavy. Like, it's a part of my story where I was an alcoholic and didn't even realize it. Um, during that time, I would go to the bar, drink, smoke three, four packs of cigarette, and I was a closet smoker. I think my wife told me to this day she really didn't know I smoked back then. Oh, wow. Yeah, closet smoker. Two, three packs a day? In the, but only when I drank in the bar. So I would go in the bar, and you could smoke in the bar. Gotcha. So when she smelled it, you She just thought it was in the, in the yeah. yeah. And so, um, but I would be in the garage still drinking from coming back. I would stop at the store, get the four-pack of wine knock that off, and then I would drink whatever she had in there. It was bad, bro. And I, like, I never said I wanted to kill myself, but I didn't care. Mm. I saw my weight drop, and I knew how I felt. I fell out behind the chair one day, cutting. And I remember went to the back room, and Kendall started crying. You know, he helped me in the back room, and I just, I couldn't control it. And then one time, I fell in the bathroom at the house. And, you know, you hear the stories, you fell and couldn't get up. I literally couldn't get up. Now, I'm a grown man, like an OG. And I'm thinking I can walk on ice and not slip and fall. So to fall and not be able to get back up, I knew, like, it's real. Like, something is wrong. And um, my wife was like, let's go to the the hospital. Hard head still. She was like, nah. So she called my uncle. And he's, like, probably the only person that could get me to move. Uh Um, So I went, and um, they made me go see the doctor. Went to see the doctor. And just upon a cursory examination, he said, well, based on what we see, it looks like you got lymphoma. I didn't know what it was. I was like, what's lymphoma? He says, cancer. I was like, oh, I really didn't care. Like, I was just mentally like I was tired. I had been struggling. Um, things weren't going away. Constantly looking to make that, turn that corner. Like, you know how you know you got the talent? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know you have the gift. You know you have what it takes, but you stuck. And you're trying to move, and you're trying to move, but every time you make a, a move forward, something happens that takes you back. Yeah, for sure. And then if you have a substitute... 
a, a narcotic or an alcohol to keep you in that cycle, you just kind of just lose that 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 love of life. And so the doctor was like, we need to do a because I had grown this huge lump up under my chin. I thought it was cancer to myself um, and went there and they had to do the biopsy and everything. And I'll never forget this day. Um, went back to the doctor's office to get the, um, the results from the biopsy. My wife was already crying. I had already said to myself, I ain't doing no chemo. I ain't doing none of that. And then she was crying and I just sat there and I was like, you okay? And she was like, no. My man had us waiting in there for two hours before he came in to give us the results. But it was in that two hours when life changed, right? Everything at that point. What I, happened? What was the, the moment, the feeling, if you could describe it? Yeah. So I'm sitting there with my wife and watching her cry. Now, mind you, from the time I went to the doctor leading up to me having to get the biopsy, my kids was loving on me extra. You know what I'm saying? Like they knew Pop was sick and I was like feeling like extra love, yeah. but it didn't hit. Um, sitting there watching my wife like cry. And she was like, this, this is what she said. She said, um, she said you, can't, you can't check out of here. I was like, what you talking about? Like, you're going to be good. I ain't had no life insurance. Mm. I'm just saying you're going to be good. Like, just ignorant. And she said, um, the first thing she said was, the kids are counting on you. And she said, your mother is counting on you. And then she said, and I'm counting on you. And it was hearing somebody actually say, that they were counting on me. Now, mind you, most of us all say, especially men, we're doing this for our family. Like we're going to work for our family, but that's not true. Like if you're really doing it for you, we would spend the time with them. Mm. We would do the, the intangibles instead of hiding behind, I gotta go get this bread yeah. or I gotta move this key in order to get this money to take care. Mm -mm. So I, I came to the conclusion that I can't do things for them. I really have to do it with them. In mind. And so looking at my wife like that, something clicked in me. And I was like, in my mind at that point, I was like, I ain't drinking no more. That's the day you gave it up. That was the day I made my mind up right. to give it up. And I was like, it's a big difference. Right, right. Because you right. know, you, I had done it before. Like, yeah. I'm done. I had thrown packs of cigarettes out yeah. the window and came back, made my mind up to give it up. Um, and it was at that point where I realized that it was bigger, right? I slipped, fell, drank again. Sure. And w when I really gave it up was down the road, probably a month later. But um, it was at that time when I realized that my life was more important than what I saw it as. Mm -hmm. That people really were counting on me. Yeah. Even my guys in the shop were counting on me. I knew my sons were counting on me. My daughters were counting on me. And so I had to, I had to do something different. And what that was for me was I had to think about life in a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And so um, I started taking care of myself better. Um, I didn't stop, stop drinking, but what I did do was I was more conscious of it. Right, right. And I had caught a DUI a few years before that, and um, this is crazy. I used to call my wife, like after that, if I was drinking, I would call me like, yo, I'm staying down here, because yeah. I was in Cobb County and I lived up right, in Brunette. Right, right, right. And um, this one time, this was when it stopped. And it wasn't even that deep. I said, yo, I'm at so-and-so house, I'm gonna stay up here. And I wasn't even drunk. I, I had a couple of beers or whatever, and she just got quiet. And I was like, hello? But it was that quiet where it was like, she ain't go in, go off or nothing, but it was that, that deadly quiet. Like I could feel that I hurt her. Mm. That moment, I was like, yeah, I'm done. To myself, I didn't say it to her. I'm done. 
I ain't said to her, I'm done. How many times have you looked in your mirror and said, yo, there's more for me to do in life? And I know people, people do it all the time. We talk to ourselves. There's more to do in life. It was at that moment when all of the times that I had said that, whether I was drunk or sober, that I had said that, it was like, yo, there's more for me to do. And um, I stopped drinking that day. And I remember I got up that morning, five o'clock at my dude's house, drove to the crib, threw out the cigarettes, didn't, wasn't drinking. I made my mind up, but I ain't say nothing. 30 days, I didn't drink. I didn't say anything. I needed to build up the strength. Because I had told people before, like, I built the strength up. And one day my wife said to me, yo, I ain't seen you have a drink. I said, yeah, after 30 days. Yeah, I'm trying to cut back. Yeah. And she said, all right. So in your mind, you, you're made up, but you wanted to... I, before I just, said something. Gotcha. Yeah, I needed to get in the gym and not tell nobody I was going yeah. type thing. And then 30 more days went by. She was like, yeah, I ain't seen you have a drink. And I was like, um, yeah, I'm trying to stop. Because at that point, I needed the accountability. I had the strength, yeah. but now I needed the accountability. Wow. About 60, 60 more days went by. And my kids was like, pop, because I was drinking water. They're like, pop, I ain't seen you. I was like, yeah, I'm trying to stop. I needed extra accountability. After you told him, if y'all see me drinking, check me. Yeah. 90 days went by, another 90 days, and my wife was like, you, how you doing with the drink? And I said, I don't drink. Mm. And he took the taste out of my mouth. Mm. So literally, bro, like I, from that day, and that was about six years ago, from that day, I have not even had an urge to have a drink. Awesome. And so awesome. For, for that, and, but now watch. How long ago was this? What, what six year years was, ago. This was, was 2013. Gotcha. 14, 2013. It was 2014 because I had stopped drinking when I got the call from CJ. So walk me through that. Walk me through <laughs> yeah, that. Walk yeah. me through that. So um, I had stopped and, you know, I had, had the strength built up and I was still cutting in the shop um, against my own will because I was burnt out. Like I was done. It was like having a job to me. And my man from the other shop, he used to cut with me. C was getting his hair cut there. So he called me. He was like, yo, uh, X, you know, C, CJ. I was like, of course. because I X? That's <laughs> first off. That's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole nother podcast. All right. That's a whole nother podcast. That's a really that's a whole nother two uh, hour podcast. I, I want to touch on it. But, okay, go ahead, go ahead. X. So yeah, you, just remember okay. that. Um, so it was like X. Do you know CJ? I was like, yeah. Um, of How'd you know who he was? Because I had been following E. I've been playing him in the shop with the guys. Like I was still conscious. Following Eric Thomas. Yeah, I was following E. Listening to E. I had heard like everybody when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe. And literally what I did was I went on YouTube and looked for more and found a couple of the the, uh, college joints and everything and then looked for more. Reached out to him on Twitter and he actually hit me back. Wow. Yeah, I know he don't remember that. But um, so when he said, do you know CJ? I was like, yeah, because prior to that, I had opened up for E. I like to say I opened up for him, Mm. but I didn't really open up. I just spoke on the same day that he spoke. (laughs) The guy that Kira worked with had brought E in to speak. Right, right. And um, I spoke in another room about three hours later. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but look, I tell people I opened up for them, right? You know how you just, I, Absolutely. Yeah, so, but I had seen, I'm looking at the, the, the uh, videos and stuff. So I said, y'all know who CJ is. So he said, yo, we've been telling him about, um, what you, about you and what you do. And we let him, we took him to your YouTube page. Because mm-hmm. mind you, I had been working. And this is what people don't get. Even when I was drinking, I was drunk. I started using Facebook in 2008, and I posted every day. Before I, before I started drinking, I would be like, hold on, let me do this post. Yeah. Rise and grind, rise and grind, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And so I had, I had been working. We were still bringing the kids in on Monday night. Even after I had a hangover, 
I would be there on Monday mm. and we would work with the kids. My man would bring them from the group home. Yep. I was still going out to college to speak and I was working. I thought I was sweet too. I was super <laughs> whack as you know. <laughs> but um, um, so he put C on the phone and I'll never forget the conversation. And this is what was so great. You know, my boys used to come to the shop and they was literally sitting right there with a bottle of Hennessy. Mm-hmm. And I had just told my man, like, nah, I'm good. I don't drink no more. Yeah. I was straight. Now, had I been drinking, I wouldn't have been sober on the phone with him. Yeah. And that might have changed the whole trajectory sure. of us even sitting here now. Um, and so got on the phone with him. And he was like, yeah, your boy's been I've been watching your stuff. And what CJ saw was raw talent. Mm-hmm. He told me, he said, I see raw talent yeah. um, and I've been working. And, you know, a lot of people come to you, they'll come to me and they want, like, put me on the platform yeah. and you haven't done nothing. Yeah. You ain't even been working. Yeah. Like, come with a work ethic because that was all I had. And I told, see, I was like, yo, I, I just want, you know, I, I didn't say, um, can I get some of your time? I was yeah. like, I want to chop it up with you. Um, let's do coffee or something. Yeah. And he was like, bet, watch this. He said, me and E got to go to California. So I hit you when I come back. And I was like, Mm-mm, let me get your number. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always been taught you can't count your money if it's in somebody else's pocket. Sure. And I got this control issue. So he gave me his number. But true to form, he called me when he got back. We met. And at that meeting. Was this Fatsy or, or, or Slim? This was Fatsy. This was Fatsy. <laughs> See, this y'all was, don't know. There's yeah, a Fatsy yeah, and there's a Slim yeah, C. Yeah, this was Fatsy. <laughs> um, this was Big C. I don't want to right. say Fat. See, I didn't say it. <laughs> he said Fat. I'm just going to say Big C. But this was Big C. <laughs> and C was like, um, I listened to what he said said what I had to say. At the end, I was like, bro, I want in. Like, I need you to coach me. And he was like, well, I got some people I'm bringing through and mm-hmm. all that. And I was like, kind of disappointed. Right. So he said, I'll give you a call and let you know. So he called me and he said, I got somebody that went out. Um, you can come on in. This is what I'm going to charge you. He told me. And I, at no point did I even think about it. I just said, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Now, I ain't had a bread. Mm. I ain't had a bread at all. Um, and I ain't even think about it. My only saving grace was... It was November 2014, mm-hmm. and he said, let's start in January, because it was holiday yeah. time. And I said, bet, I got a few months to get this yeah, bread up. for sure. And um, I uh, took the mortgage just to make my, I was taking the mortgage, bro. My wife, that, she ride or die, bro. She a soldier. Um, but I probably couldn't have gotten away with it for too long. People don't know during that time, bro, we was in foreclosure. During that time, I had a couple of cars repo, like on the same day and the same morning I went out and both cars was gone. Like I was going through it. And for her, it was like, I haven't been down this road with you a lot. You always starting something, opening up shops when you ain't had the money and boom, boom, boom. And we always taking my check, meaning her check. She Ooh. was the stability. Like she was the rock that kept her job. She had a nine to five. And um, something about this time, like I, I didn't just work. I would, she saw the commitment because I had stopped yeah. drinking. Yeah. And people ask me to this day, you know, bro. It all, like, it all goes back to this moment of, like, you made that decision. Now she got a little more faith in you. Like, yo, bro, he's... people ask me to this moment, to this day. Somebody asked me last week. They was like, Coach, yo, how did you get to where you are? Like, to make the bread that you make, to do what you do. I always say the same thing. I stopped drinking. Like, it wasn't all of the, that's strategy. We all need strategy. So what was it? I stopped drinking. I made a decision. And it wasn't just the bottle. It was the discipline. Because mm. I literally say to myself, yo, if I stop that, I can stop everything. Mm. Mm. And not just stop everything. I can start anything. Then I just started looking back. I told a client one day, I said, look, what I want you to do. She was a little down on herself. 
I said, get a piece of paper. On the left side of the paper, I want you to write your wins. On the right side, I want you to write your losses. She wrote down all the wins, how much she's generated, the things she's accomplished. She wrote down her losses. She said, yo, I got more wins than losses. Mm-hmm. And that's what people, most of us look at our losses, but we ain't tracking our wins. Wow, wow. So, so you, you take the mortgage money and you pay CJ. And uh, well, for one, whatever number both of us was paying, those days are over. <laughs> Some days are <laughs> completely done. <laughs> I'm yeah, was, they're not done, they done done. Oh, for sure. You used to be able to pull up in CJ House for a couple dollars. Bruh. Them days <laughs> if he like done. you, if he like you, he'll at least work with you. But uh yeah, they on a whole nother level now. Uh-huh. So you take you take the money and then I mean you take the money, you invest in CJ, and then what happens? So I make the investment, I get to work. I was excited. Um I literally felt in my heart that was where I needed to be because of who CJ was. Yeah. I had talked to a couple of different cats. Like I went, met with Cantus a couple of times. Cantus told me I ain't coaching nobody, right? <laughs> and I knew he was good at what he did, yeah. um, but he gave me some great advice. Um, but when I got with C, I was like, yo, we speak the same language. And my boys had already told him how I got down. So we spoke the same language and it just clicked and it worked. Walk and, me through that first session, if you remember. Yeah, the, the first session, we wasn't at the crib because he didn't know me mm-hmm. that well. So we was at uh, First Watch. Mm. on Atlanta Road. Okay. We was at First Watch, met there. This was right before he started. They started uh, doing Greatness is Upon You. He said they were going to Dallas to do one. It was the first one. And um, that first session, he was just trying to, you know, get to know me, figure out where I was, so forth and so on. That first session, he said, look, man, I don't want you charging no less than $1,000 to speak. Mm. And I was like, what? Because I wasn't making anything. I was speaking, but I wasn't getting no checks. Right, right. I said, 1000 I'm like, um, he said, yeah, don't open your mouth unless it's a thousand dollars. And I'm like, so I went and got a couple of gigs, came back to him and he was like, what'd you charge? That's the first thing he would say. Right. What'd you charge? And I'm like, nothing. He was like, what? Brian I ain't got the confidence to ask for a thousand dollars. And so he would beat me up like thousand, a thousand. I know why he did it. And then I finally um, was like, I, right. I asked for 500 a couple of times, mm-hmm. got no, cause I, I didn't have the confidence. This is when it all shifted. Uh, it was Shiloh High School, mm-hmm. where I lived like seven minutes away. Yep. And um, lady I had known there, she called me, she wanted me to speak at her parent night. And I remember I had somebody in the chair I was cutting. And she said, how much is that gonna cost? And I said, right around the corner from the house, 250, $250. Mm. She got quiet. And I said, before I let her say anything, my yeah. fast self was like, yo, I can, I can work with you on that if, <laughs> Bruh, she said, no, no, I thought you was going to say $5,000. It clicked. All the mm. stuff C was telling me. C was telling me, bro, you're good. Like, you, you good. You, you can. But it clicked. And I realized that other people don't see us the way we see ourselves. Mm. Like, the way the world sees you is different from the way you see yourself. Because the world doesn't, doesn't have those limiting beliefs like we grew up with. They just see what we do. They don't really know who we are. Mm. And for us, it's like we know who we are, so we don't have that confidence. And it was that day I had went to see and told C, and he blazed me. Mm. And I was like, I get it. I get it. And then I started getting confidence. And the more I went out and spoke, the more confidence I got. And then I went from, I charged $1,000 and then went to $2,000 and $3,500. And then one day C was like $5,000. I was like, bet. And um, didn't get it a few times. And I got the first $5,000 gig. I was like, Ooh. Mm, they paying 5000 What? <laughs> then when I got the first $10,000 gig, I was like, 
Oh, it's real. That's when you start walking with a whole different swag. For sure. And then um, my first contract, I got contracts with schools, but then when the Bears hit me up. And Chicago this, Bears. The Chicago Bears. And this is when the game changed for me because um, it was a relationship that got me on the phone with the dude or the introduction. But when I was on the phone with the, the guy that brought me into the Bears, one of the things he said, and mind you, I, have, I was in my office, I had my wife there, my hands, palms were sweaty. Mm-hmm. I was nervous. I kind of knew I had the gig, but I, first time, like, it's the, the NFL. Yeah. And I told my wife, like, I'm nervous and make sure, but get, but get the footage. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure I'm nervous and everything, but get the footage. Um, and so I'm on the phone with him, and this is when it clicked again. I said, so what is it, like, wh- what, what do you want me to bring? He said, bro, I've been watching you for the last year. Mm. Ooh. It goes back to what CJ told me, just keep working. Like, keep putting the footage out. Keep dropping the footage. And I had been doing that because I had been working. And people come to you, they'll come to me, and they'll be like, yo, put me on, put me on. And the question is always, what have you been doing? Yeah. And, and here's what people say. Man, I've been speaking here, speaking there. The first thing I say is, do you have the footage? Right. I said, nah, it never happened. Bro, I was just talking to a guy the other day. Uh, really, you know, wants to get into it. I'm like, yeah, send me some videos. I don't have any. Yo, putting together social proof... There's some people that are, you know, semi like celebrities a little bit, like, you know, verified on Instagram, big following. And they're like, yo, I want to speak. I'm like, all right, send me something of you doing it. Yeah. They don't have anything. I'm like, it's hard for me to. You can't justify it. Yeah. I, can't, I, I don't know how you, I mean, you telling me you sweet, but you might come on like, all right, guys, put one foot in front of the other. Make sure you're going to be successful, knowing your mind. And nobody wants to hear that. Bro, the, one of the most, this is the most powerful thing ever. I only got the opportunity to work with CJ because he saw me working. Facts. Facts. Like my boy showed him my YouTube page where I had videos before anybody told me get the footage. I was getting the footage because I knew that you had to have a body of work. It's like when I was selling work. I couldn't just be like, yo, I got good weed or I got good powder. I couldn't just say that. Like they was like, let me see. (laughs) What do you have? And I think like people nowadays, it's almost like, let me say it like this. I learned that I needed to do social media from you, hmm. right? Me? Indirectly, indirectly. Because I remember CJ said to me, because I'm, I don't want to say I'm old, but you know, I'm an OG, I'm 52. So I've been older than y'all. I don't look at social media the way y'all do. Yeah. So for me, I was like, see, nobody don't care about what I'm doing. He was like, nah, and he would always say, I need you to look at Dave, watch what Dave doing. Dave's, I'm like, Dave is 20 years younger than me. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and I will watch you. And you was always on social. You always, we would be, remember, we would be places. And the first thing you do is pull your phone out. Absolutely. And I would be like, yo, how he just got the confidence to do that? Because I had the confidence, right? And so, but watching that, I realized, like, I have to come out of that shell. And because I came out of the shell, I found out my niche on the social media. I don't do it like you. I do it in, you know, where I'm comfortable. But I had to learn how to do that. I had to develop that by doing it. And so when people say to me, well, now nah, I'm not posting or why do I need to post? It is because you need to develop the activity, yeah. the confidence to do it. And when I started doing that, like I was like, all right, this thing really works. Because yeah. if I didn't do it, we wouldn't be sitting here. Absolutely. Because you wouldn't have seen me do anything. You wouldn't yeah. know who I am. And that means everything. So what, what is your, um, for one, we can see why you're an awesome coach, because you felt it necessarily to pay for it necessary to pay for coaching because oh, there are a lot of people that are coaches yeah. and they haven't paid anybody yep. 
to be their coach. Yep. So what is your approach with coaching? Because you coach small business owners and you do corporate as well. Yep. But in terms of small business owners, what is your approach? All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. 
Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Approach because most of them ain't going to do anything. Most of them are excited, but they're not, you know, clear on their vision. Mm-hmm. So what is your approach that's helping you get so much, so many results with your clients? So I'm different um, in the sense that, you know, how you got either a grandma or mom, granddad or whatever, they get to a certain age, they just feel like they can say and do anything they want. Yeah. My mother, 80-something years old, and we was in the kitchen one day, we was talking, and she said something about this lady, and I was like, Ma, stop talking about it. She's like, I'm 80 years old, I can say anything I want. I was like, okay. So because of the life that I've lived, 30 years, full-time yeah. entrepreneur, business owner, I know what it takes. So when people come to me and they're like, Yo, I'm building a business and I'm working a job, and I'm like, you can do that, right. that's fine, but what you're not going to do, right, mm. is, is you're not going to, I know what it's going to take. Yeah. Not even, I'm not talking about the strategy. I'm not talking about the plan. I'm talking about the drive or that grind, like I, like I do the Your Daily Grind. It's going to take a certain aptitude, but a certain drive and a certain grind for you to be successful. Mm-hmm. It, and it's that, un, it's that relentlessness, it's that drive. So when I was cutting hair, I didn't even know it, but I was coaching from behind the chair. Mm. And the guy that I started cutting with early on, he told me something I'll never forget. He said, X, you're, don't. He said, X. I need to know, this X. I, I, I need to know the story behind it, X. So he said, X, your clients are going to be a reflection of you. Mm-hmm. And so in my chair, I had, every, I had entrepreneurs, I had business owners, I had CEOs, um, athletes, high-level pastors. They were a reflection of me. I was older than everybody in the shop once yeah. again. And so I knew, and so I was coaching from behind the chair for almost 30 years. I thought I wanted to be a speaker, right? Because of watching E yeah. and all the people that I was walking with and stuff. And I went to see one day, I'm gonna ask you a question. I went to CJ one day. Bro, it used to take me three days to put together a 30 minute speech. Really? I'm talking about, I used to write it out word for word, laugh here. Okay, pause here. Really? I was ridiculous. Um, I went to CJ one day, bro. I was like, Yo, I'm good on this speaking thing. I'm straight. I don't, I don't wanna do none of that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> And C was like, what you talking about? I was like, I don't want to speak. Yeah. He's like, what you want to do? I said, I just want to coach. Yeah. He's like, bet. He said, I'm going to make you a great coach. I said, word. What you want me to do first? He said, go speak. <laughs> I love it. I love like, it. What you talking about? He said, never forget this. He said, people buy Grind Gear t-shirts because they heard E speak. Mm-hmm. People want E to coach them because they heard E speak. Yeah. People join BU because they heard E speak. Yeah. People are not going to come to you because you say you're a coach. They're going to come because they heard you speak. Every client that I have, and I have one-on-one over 20, every one of them, I don't ever post, like, come coach with me. Mm. They come because they heard me speak. Mm. But it was my perspective on speaking. And so once I switched that, I'm born a coach. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you and I are different. We coach different. You're a phenomenal teacher. You're a phenomenal trainer. Like your mind, your mind thinks differently to mine. Yeah, for sure. I'm like a, yo, do this, do that, do that, and get back to me. Like CJ. Right, right. Go do this, this, and that, and come back. And when you do that, we'll go from there. Right, right. And, and I think uh, my approach, I can't do that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Look, every now, and again, every now and again, I'll start to adopt it. Like my wife would hear me saying something. She'd be like, oh my God, that was, <laughs> that was why'd you say that to that, that, was that person? Harsh. Yeah, right. And when she says it, I'm like, yes, I did it. I did it. Right? Yeah. But here's the thing. I had to learn. So because now I knew I had confidence mm. that I had something to share. I had proof. Right. I had a model of proof. 
And so I went through so many different clients because I was bringing on clients, but they weren't really my sheep. Explain that. So I, I'm, I live by the philosophy, your sheep know your voice. And when they hear your voice, they will come. I was letting people come. Be, they wanted to come because I was close to C&E. They wanted to come because um, in their book, I was a big deal. They didn't really want to come to actually get coached. And so I had to weed. I would bring people in and it would be a horrible. You've done it. Like yeah, we bring people absolutely. in to coach and it's a bad relationship. And so I had to learn that I only bring in people that are my sheep. Yeah. And you know how I know they're my sheep? When I get in there, when I go in, they're like, yo, come on, give me more. Yeah. I was on a call this morning with my, with, uh, my squad, uh, my community. And at the end of the call, and I was going in on them because, mm-hmm. you know, we in a different time. I was going in because I was like, y'all getting a little too soft. I had just watched self-made and um, the banker. Mm-hmm. And I was just going in. And so one of the dudes at the end, he was like, coach, he said, man, two years ago, you had said to me, he said, bro, you soft. I said, I said, what? He said, you told me I was soft. And he said, that was the best advice anybody. I said, I just came out and said, you soft. Mm. And I said, for what? And he told me, and I was like, oh yeah, you was acting like a punk. You was soft. <laughs> and I, so I realized that he's my sheep. Yeah. He'd been around for over two years. So now what I do, I coach based on, not based on what they tell me they want. Because you know, they're going to come and be like, yeah. I want you to help me, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. But we end up helping them. Before you get here, we have to take yeah, care of this. For sure. And so I only take on per- certain people now when I coach. Gotcha. Yo, walk, walk me back. Because like, you have a history of um, like servitude in terms of... Yeah. like. Pastors and preachers and That's people. That's where X about to come in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know I was going to get All right, so, so yeah. take, take me back, because I just remember, and I don't think we ever really talked about it, yeah. but I've heard you tell me, like, yeah, I used to walk with the pastors and stuff like that. Yeah. But I never really got into the conversation of what that actually meant. So, yeah. so walk me, was this why you was drinking or? A part of it, yeah. So walk, walk me back. Yeah, so in the 90s, I walked with Farrakhan. Mm. Um, and that was where, like, I loved that aspect of my life when you say you walk with them were you just both a follower yeah. first a follower and then been, been able to hold posts is what we call it. like mm-hmm. hold posts and actually be oh like while he's speaking there's always the guys looking around like this that's me okay you see gotcha, me do gotcha. it with e yeah, yeah that was sure. me that's where i got it from um and i did that for 10 years really the 90s. yeah from 90 everywhere he went i was everywhere everywhere and in the 90s i had my cleaning business so i had my own business i was able to move like i needed to move um and I realized that it ain't having nothing to do with the religion. It had everything. I love serving, and I love that militant, that man aspect of it, yeah. right? And so I became X. So in 2000... Was it Kindle X? Was I was it? actually Kindle 4X. <laughs> Kindle 4X. Yeah, well, where, where do we get that name? Where do we get the Kindle so 4X? So when I wrote the letter to get my X, there were four other Kindles in the mosque, three other Kindles in the mosque, so I was Kindle 4X. So you have to write a letter. You got to write a whole letter. It's a, you know, they tell you what to write in the letter. And it's not just about writing it. It has to be identical to the letter that you actually, that they give you. It has to be neat. It has to be identical. And that was difficult for me because I write like chicken scratch yeah. now. And I was even worse then. And I had to write it a couple times before I got my X. Um, and so I learned travel. I learned, you know, I met Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, uh, uh, Malcolm X's uh, wife. Mm, um, Betty. Yeah, I was at the Apollo when I was I was all over the place. Bro. What year was this? This was in the nineties. This was in the nineties. Um, Million Man March. I was right there. Right. Um, like so, I 
I've been around power players and I knew how people ask me this question all the time. They'll say, coach, like when you get to seat at the table, what do you do? I said, shut up and listen. Yeah. You don't speak. So if you remember, when you see me, when I'm with E, I was in a whole different. Absolutely. Like I ain't talk. It was like more work. So I did that in the 90s. And during that whole time, I never drank. Mm. I ate one meal a day. I was super disciplined. Did they pay you for that? Absolutely not. So you everywhere you go, you get your own ticket. Uh, on my own know? dime. Oh, with no tickets. Wasn't no flying there. We drove. Gotcha. Yeah, wasn't no flying gotcha. there. We drove. Um, yeah. Well, no. So the people that do that, they got to like, so some typically people, business owners? Yeah. So even if you want, I was a, a, a lieutenant and an assistant minister. And so the, they want you to be your, have your own business because yeah. you need the time, right? You need to be able to lead by example sure. type of thing. But if you, ha- you had to be gainfully employed or have your own business, yeah. like that is a must. You're not yeah. going to be not working. Right, right, right. I sold right, the paper. Right. I sold incense. I sold oils. You name it. I sold it. Uh, I lo- those were some of the great, greatest days of my life. Mm. Because what I learned there, you don't learn nowhere else. Like, yeah. like that was phenomenal. And I saw the love of that servanthood. Yeah. And so when I moved here to Atlanta, September of 99, um, I had fell off, started drinking again, all that. And Did they kick you out? No, or- I left. No, it was like... Here's the other piece to it. My personality is such that I don't play well in other people's sandboxes sometimes. Mm. Um, Two years was enough. I'm a boss. Like, in my head, I'm a boss. And sometimes it could, be, it could get on, on the borderline of arrogant. Mm. Uh, and back then it probably was. Yeah. Um, and so knowing that I'm a leader, there are certain things. Like, you get to a point when you live in the house with your mom. And you got to follow her rules. Yeah. But when you start making your own money, you get to the point like, y'all want to come in whenever I want to. Yeah. It's time for you to leave. Mm. And so when I got to the point that I wanted to do things the way I felt like I wanted to do it and didn't want to listen to the orders that were coming down, yeah. it was time for me to go. So it didn't necessarily have anything to do with Farrakhan, maybe like some of your upper. Never him. Never him. Like even you crazy. to this day, right. I would like still like I still listen to him. Yeah. To this day, I still like I told my wife we was in Michigan in February. I wanted to go to Detroit to the, to the hookup because he's 86, 87 years old. Still go crazy for three hours. Bruh. On stage. I'm talking about flat button, no theatrics. I did That's eight it. hours. We stood and he went. We was in Harlem. He went to work for eight hours straight. Oh. No notes. No notes. Beast. And I could quote every, I used to, this back when we had cassette tapes. Mm. They was white. I had a trunk full of cassette tapes. I could verbatim, word for word, everyone. Wow. Yeah. All right, so you, you, you leave that, and then you go where? Um, I, so because I was searching my whole life, um, I went over to the other Muslims mm-hmm. with the white robes and the beards. Mm-hmm. I couldn't wear the white robe. I couldn't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and at the time, I couldn't get no beard. Um, <laughs> just, you know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? You. Just, you know, so I was like, you know, so, and I remember I was at, I was at uh, the masjid one day and I was always inquisitive. Remember, I don't play well in other people's sandboxes. So I asked the imam one day, I was like, why do we have to learn Arabic? And I could, I could speak a little bit Arabic. And he was like, um, because Allah only speaks in Arabic. And in order for you to understand, you need to know the language. And I was like, mm-mm, no, mm-mm. You're saying he only speak one language? <laughs> it was at that point where I was like, nah, bro, I right. can't. Because I, I felt like you were trying to make me an Arab. Yeah. And I was like, can't do that. Then I went over to the, I was a Mason. 
Goodness gracious. Bruh, I got my master's degree in, you know, because I went through that. And again. Master's degree, not through college, but like through their system? Oh, yeah. I ain't never go to college. Gotcha. Um, through the, the Masonic thing. Um, I got not master's degree. I forgot what they call it, but it's that third, 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 third degree. level. Um, did that, and it just wasn't a good fit. Then I went to the church. Um, walk with, I remember I was walking with a preacher, and uh, he was dirty. And I was like, really? I don't need to be with you. Like one, it was a big name? I, not that one, no. Right. Um, but my thing was, back then, if I stood with you, I had to be clean myself. Yeah. Because I didn't want to be a hypocrite. Yeah. Um, then moved here. I went into my first barbershop, and there was a pastor that used to come get his hair cut, Pastor Reese. Um, my dude, good mm-hmm. dude. Um, I started walking with him. They would tell him, because I was hard When you say walking with him, it's like... Armor bear. Armor bear. Period. That's the best way to say it. Yeah. Armor bear. He made me direct the security. It was a small church, whatever, but mm-hmm. that, I loved doing that. That's what I did. So they, I never told them I was ex. Mm-hmm. It was the way I carried myself. Mm-hmm. I was ex. And then I told them, I, you know, all of the stuff I did. That's where ex came from. Okay, gotcha, right. gotcha. So, so okay. I was ex. And then um, I was ex for a good long time. Yeah. Walked with the preacher... Fell off. I told him one day, bro, I, I done fell off. I started drinking again. Boom, boom. I need to sit myself down. Sat down. Waited till I got straight, got strong again. So my whole life on and off, I was, not my whole life, but drinking, stopped drinking and yeah. so forth. But um, during those days was when I learned how to serve. Yeah. But it was always in my heart to serve. So one day when, when CJ told me I could go to all the events because he was coaching me, yeah. I was like, all of them? He said, yeah, you can come in. I ain't got to pay. Right. Like, nah. So I used to, in X mode. I, what? <laughs> no, no, I was just in the audience. Right, right. And then I used to bring Kira with me. Mm-hmm. And um, we was in, I was going to all of them, the local joints. And then they went to, it was San Fran or Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And you know, the quote unquote groupies don't go that far out. Yeah. It's a different ticket. Yeah. Um, so I went out and um, C was like, yo, I need you to cover E. And I was like, bet. Right. I, that's, that's what I do. Bag. Oh, that's For what sure. I do. Um, and did it, and me and E clicked, and C was like, yo, can you do that again? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I just went into, I went into servant mode. Wow. I told CJ one time, bro, I was like, yo, I want to do that as a business. And I think I want to start up that type of business. I didn't know what to call it. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I was dead serious. Like C- just covering, like, talent. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like, I had the guys, like, bro, I do that. Yeah. And C was like, no. I was like, well, you, when you say no, <laughs> I'm saying I'm a grown man. Right, right, right. I was like, but I'm, no, I want to make it a business. He's yeah. like, ain't nobody going to pay you for that. I was like, he said, no. <laughs> I was like, what? no. <laughs> he said, bro, get this first. Yeah. Get that first. And it made sense, like, get that first. But, and what I learned from walking with E and, like, that whole, that just opened up everything. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So do you have one, do you have any that work with you in that capacity? Nah, but here's what's funny. Um, they all come. And they'll say it. Now, here's the difference, bro. Like, when I was with E, I never called E and was like, where you going to be? Yeah. Ever, never. Right? I, I, I was um, polished. I would call whoever his assistant was. Yeah. I would call and be like, all right, give me the schedule. Um, I was still calling CJ at times, being like, you want me to go there? You want me to? Yeah. Okay. Like, I'm never going to force myself in. Yeah. And I would, I would find out where he was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I would just be there. I never text him or anything. I would, he would see my face and he knew Kendall got me. Yeah. But guys come to me and they like, I want to walk with you. Okay, don't ask me. Just yeah. make it happen. Yeah. And if I see that we, because I can't just have anybody around me. Yeah. Um, I need to, there's got to be some sort of 
um, I'm going to say click. Like, we need to click. Yeah. There's got to be some sort of something. And if you asking me to do it, it ain't going to work because you, you're trying to force pieces that don't fit. Mm. Right? I never asked to do that. Yeah. CJ asked me to do something that he knew I loved and I could do. Mm-hmm. And when I, he put me in that position, there was value. It was mutual yeah. value. And so when I did that, I wasn't a speaker. Yeah. I was X. Mm. Mm. I, I kind of want to get into some, uh, some things that can help us entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. Somebody that wants to be a speaker, an author, um, or just an entrepreneur. Yeah. What are some of the steps that it takes um, to become a success? Because I've, been, I've had the pleasure of watching you uh, always going after it, um, but the last couple years have been super impressive. Thanks. Like super duper impressive. Thank you. So like what is for the small business owner that's watching like, yo, I, I want to be connected to certain people. I want to build a speaking career. What are some of the, the, the tools that you're going to give them? Yeah. So so here's the thing. Um, I had an opportunity to sit at the table. Right. Whether it was at your table, CJ, E, anybody. When I had the opportunity to sit and learn, like I remember we were in. Uh, I was about to say Woodbridge Mall. Cumberland, mm-hmm. and me, you, Josh, E was at the table. We were at the Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, yeah. And um, you would walk around with a notebook. Mm-hmm. And you sure. still do. Absolutely. Walk around with a notebook and you were taking notes. That was your way of learning. And you did something that I never really did. You asked a lot of questions, mm-hmm. which was phenomenal. And then you would write it in your notebook and walk away and execute. I would listen to what was being said, take it in, and that if, if I was with Josh by ourselves, I would yeah. ask him, Hey, what did you mean by this? Probably most times when we got in the car, what did you mean by this? Or I would ask E or CJ, what did you mean by this or that? And then I would take it in and then I would execute. Um, I never got, CJ never got me or gave me a gig. Mm-hmm. I always went and got my own. Yeah. Um, to my knowledge, I don't think E ever got me a gig. I always went and hunted for myself. For sure. And I think what most people, the challenge that most people have is they come asking instead of coming with something that they have already done. Remember I said earlier, CJ rocked with me because he saw raw talent. The key in that is that he saw raw talent. So when I came to him, I had a grind, I had a work ethic, I had a desire not to get connected to him and E, but I wanted to take my life to the next level. And so the biggest thing I could say to to those people that really want to take their business to the next level is to handle their business before they decide to do business. Explain that. And what that means is people come to you, they come to me all the time, and they want us to show them or get their business right, but their personal life is a mess. Mm. Remember I said when people come to me and ask me, like, Coach, how did you get here? I stopped drinking. Either either your your personal life, your, your marriage is a mess. You are alcoholic. You don't have the discipline necessary to do this. Business is about strategy, tips, tools, techniques. Like, you can learn that. But you can't necessarily get a tip on how to be, be disciplined and wake up and come here and do this. Yeah. You got to know that I got to do what I'm supposed to do. How do we develop discipline? You got to really want something really bad. Yeah. Like you have to so get is it innate or is it something that you can. How can someone who knows they don't have discipline develop that? Because in their head, they're saying for the last 20 years, I need to be disciplined. I'm going to go on this diet. I'm going to stay on the diet. Yeah. And they don't. 
is there a way to develop it or is it just innate? Yeah. Some people have the ability to change and some, some don't. Yeah, I think you got to have a reason to change for first. And I think that most people are looking for a mentor when they need to be looking for a model. Mm. A mentor is going to tell you, but a model is going to show you. I saw, like being with C, being with E, the, all the guys that I walk with, the great men I walk with, I saw what certain things look like. Wow. They were modeled for me. Like I saw, bro, I saw CJ praying with his family. I saw it. It was modeled for me. I saw the way and see the way E treats his wife. It was modeled for me. I saw the grind that E got. It was modeled for me. When I, in the 90s, I saw the grind at Barakai. It was modeled. And so that stayed with me. The discipline is a result of me seeing a model of what it looked like. Yeah, you got supreme discipline. And you might think you don't, but you do because you're driven to go and reach something and get something. I think for most people, they, they only want what it looks like. They don't want what this feels like. Yeah. And so I know that in order for me to get my business and my life where I wanted to be, there are just certain things I just can't do. Yeah. I can't be hollering at chicks. Yeah. I can't have side pieces. Yeah. I can't drink. I really believe that if I slip up and have a drink, it's like uh, my man in the Bible, you cut his hair, he lose all his power. Samson, yeah. yeah, Samson. <laughs> I think that I'm going to lose all my power, like, and I'm scared. Yeah. And you people got to get to the point that they're scared to go back and not move forward. Mm. And because I'm scared, bro, because I, I had a theme in last year or the year before, my theme was I can't go back. Mm. Not just go back. I can't go back to being broke or broken. I can't go back to being the husband I used to be, the father I used to be, or, the, or even the man I used to be. There are people that can't stand me to this day because I was arrogant, boom, boom, boom. And I ain't tripping. I get it. But I can't go back to that dude. I have to constantly grow and develop. And people come and they want what we have, but they don't want to do what we did. And that is the challenge. And I'm, I'm not. And this is the way I coach. I'm not giving you nothing because if I give it to you, you're not going to be able to sustain it. You and I were at your kiosk one day and it was a young lady we were speaking to. You were speaking to her mostly. I was listening. And the young lady, I don't know if you remember this, but the young lady said she had did 40 grand one month. And you had asked the question on it. She had only done it one month. Mm-hmm. You remember? No, I don't. Okay. She no. had only done it one month. And the conversation was leading to, but, but you only did it one month. How are you going to continue to do it? So for me, I'm like, I don't want to be a one, a one month wonder. So I had to develop the discipline so that when I hit my first eight thousand three hundred thirty three dollars and thirty three cent in 2016, um, I said, I can't go back. I need to do it next month. And then I said, I got to do it again next month. And then it's got to go up. And it just kept going up, up, up. And I remember that day I had just left Georgia Tech. I was speaking. I was at a light and I'm I'm always checking the the account. Mm -hmm. So I checked my joint. Yeah, that was funny. Kendall told me one day, he said, yo, I still check my account oh, every, every day. day. Every morning. <laughs> Hold up. Still. Every morning. Because it seemed like fraud happened when I started making money. Like before, there was no fraud. Right, right. Um, and I remember I was at the light, bro, and I checked the account. And it was 10 grand in there. And I immediately called my wife and was like, yo, did you check the account? Because she don't check it. Mm. And she, I told her, and she was like, what? I was like, yo. We, we, we had six figures. First month I had did it, I was at six wow. figures. And so I, it was at that point where I was like, let's go. 2000, what was this? 16. 16. I had been with CJ for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then I did my first, in 2016, I did my first six figures. Mm. And I said, let's go. And I think there's levels, right? Because, you know, people have like a good day and they need to say, yo, I need to have more days like that or a good week. I need to have more weeks. This, I can't go back from this $8,333.33 month. And then I got to have a good year. And then it gets to a point where I can't do the same number this year as I did last year. And then I'm, I'm sure it gets to these points where it's like decades and we start, okay, what did I do in a decade? It's scary because, so 16, I did my first six figures in this business. And um, 17, I did 275, mm-hmm. 275,000. In 2018, it was December 4th. Um, I don't remember where I was, but I went on my QuickBooks. December 4th, 2018. I looked at my QuickBooks and... Um, just, you know, how you, I don't know if y'all, but you can go on QuickBooks and look at the month, yeah, for sure. the quarter, the year. Yep. And I said, let me see what I did this year. I was just looking. Mm-hmm. I was on the road with E 90% of the time, 2018, um, running my own business. I was gone on the road. Yeah. Gone. Yep. I looked at the joint that said 575000 mm. I almost had a heart attack right then and there. And I was like, let me, let me, re, let me refresh it. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't scoreboard watching. I just put my head down and was grinding. Work. And I, you know, I called my wife. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo, look at the QuickBooks. Just tell me I ain't tripping. Go boom, boom, boom. And she was like, yo, when did we do that? I was like, I don't know, but <laughs> let me hold on. Let me make sure. Right. And it, was, it, was, it ended up being more. And I immediately took a picture of it, sent it to C, Josh, and um, E, mm-hmm. and was like, yo, I, one of those, I never could have made it without you. Yeah. But it was at that point, man, I remember telling C, like, yo, I'm scared. It's like, what you scared for? I was like, bro, serious now. Like, yeah. I can't, definitely can't go back. Yeah. And like, and he said something to me. He was like, he said, this is what's so great about this is now you know you can. Yeah. And so from here, it's just about, and so in my head, in, I made the mistake of saying for 2019, I'm going to do seven figures. Because uh-huh. I was on the phone with C. He was like, oh, you, you can definitely hit seven. Yeah. I know I can, but I put the pressure on myself yeah. to do it for 2019, meaning... I was scoreboard watching and I wasn't just working like I was. Mm. So I didn't get it, but I came ever so close. But here's what I learned, bro. It's a whole different level at seven figures. Mm. And here's the other thing I learned. It's not what you make, it's what you keep. Yeah. Because when I did that in 2018, my travel expenses was ridiculous. Mm. And I didn't keep enough of it. My paperwork wasn't right. Yeah. Right. I had an, uh, my accountant had did the accounting, did the taxes and it was like almost 100 grand in taxes, not to mention the expenses. And so I was like, ooh, and they were like, well, you set your LLC up wrong. Lesson, I did my first LLC mm-hmm. because I knew how to go on the Secretary of State. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I used to do it as a hustle. And it, she said, if you had done it this way, you could have saved 25 grand. Mm. So I said, let's do that, do that. And then I learned how to cut expenses. I learned how to really cut back on certain things, certain um uh, employees and, and all this other stuff. So my mindset now being more mature with it is, it's not about what I make. Yeah. It's about what I keep. I, I can, if I can net, net after everything, 300 grand, I don't care if I made 500 or seven figures, yeah. but I need the net on, on the one side. But then the other side is I don't want it to be taxable income. Yeah. And that's the other piece that when people come to us, they just like, yo, I want to make this month per, this amount per month. And that's why I do the business of speaking and coaching, because if you're doing the business piece of it, you're not necessarily thinking about that $10,000 check that you're going to get 
what you're saying to yourself is it's a gross 10,000. I have expenses that come off that. I have payroll that come off that. I have to put money back into the business that comes off that. So at the end of the day, that 10,000 might only work out to be a thousand that you walk away with because you got to put it back in your business. I had to learn not to pay myself so much. There was a period where I was paying myself 15 grand a month. Mm. And I, that's what I said. Mm, let me get that. That is great. <laughs> Yo, let me get that. And then I was like, I'm looking at the numbers and stuff. I'm like, I can't. Mm-mm. I need to put that back in. Yeah. So I only took out, of course, my wife got to get paid. For sure. so, so I only took out what we needed to take care of the house. Mm. And I was like, I'm good. Yeah. I can, I'm going to be able to make it through. So little things like that. That means everything. Awesome. Look, I got. I really have a million more questions, but uh, we, that that just leaves us for a part two. Okay, because uh, people <laughs> really need. I really want our next interview, like becoming a profitable speaker, because you have uh, mastered it, and mm-hmm. so much. So hopefully, maybe um, somebody's watching this in 2020, and you have it up and running on, like helping other speakers. Obviously, you you coach everybody, but um, like the process of, you know, making the calls and actually running a speaker's business for him. Uh, so that's coming. Okay. I'm his first client. First. Off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I like to make predictions on, on the podcast, man. Um, I want to know where you see yourself in the next five to 10 years, what you feel like you're going to accomplish in the next five to 10 years so that we can look back at this video and I can have it on tape. Like, yo, Kendall said he was going to do it and yeah. he did it. Look, so give yeah. me your next five to 10 year prediction. Yeah. First off, before you do that, when did you? Okay, so you stopped using Kindle X. And then, <laughs> was that was it a name change or something? Go back to Pickle. Forget it. Yeah. Okay, that's the first one. So next five to ten years, what do you say? Yeah. So in five years, um, I won't be on the road as much as I as I currently am, and I'll have probably about three more businesses already doing the stocks, and I'm about to get a couple of cargo and Sprinter vans. Um, we're looking at the Amazon um, model, mm. the Sprinter fans with Amazon. So we'll probably have that up and running before the end of this year. Um, So literally by in five years, we'll, we'll, we'll still be doing the business of speaking and coaching, but it's going to be the business, more business behind everything. I probably won't be looking. So now I look for gigs to, for the check and that's going to shift. I want to train people how to use the platform to drive business to your business. Mm. That makes sense. So standing up on a platform in front of hundreds or thousands of people and and developing, I, I got these C's that I use. I'm gonna stop. Um, when you get on your platform, you want to create, connect, collect, communicate, and convert. Mm. Okay. So the creators have your content, create your content, and I'm not talking about selling from stage. Yeah. Create your content, connect with your audience, collect the information communicate from your relationship headquarters and then convert them into a client or a customer. Gotcha. gotcha. Uh, and so in 10 years, I fully expect to, um, to be doing that at my leisure, like maybe speaking twice a year, working with um, CEOs and business owners at uh, CJ rates. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. <laughs> you know where CJ's charging now. And then um, just enjoying life. Like that's, I'm in my third quarter of life and real quick, so first quarter is from zero to 21, right? That's when we should be learning. Mm-hmm. Second quarter is from 22 to 42. That's when we should be earning. Those are the prime years for us to earn. Mm-hmm. Still learning, but now we're earning. From 43 to 63, mm-hmm. that's third quarter. That's when we should be uh, living. 
right? So we learn, earn, live in the third quarter. Third quarter, still learning, still earning, but now we're living. Like we're able to go and enjoy time with our family and enjoy the work that we've done. And then fourth quarter is forgiving, giving back to those who are behind us and coming up, giving to our grandkids, giving to our kids. So learn, earn, live to give. So in my third quarter, I'm living. But by the time 10 years comes, I'll be in my fourth quarter or right around that fourth quarter. I want to be given. I want to be able to do the philanthropy. I want to be able to go to schools and work with young people and not have to worry about a check. So I tell all my speakers now the challenge that you have is you're looking for gigs to get a check instead of looking for gigs to serve because you're trying to eat from the stage when you really need to create a business. Last thing before I go. I tell every speaker or coach that I work with as the very first day, write this down. You're not a speaker. You're not a coach. You're a business owner. Speaking and coaching is a service that you offer in your business. Mm, I like that. I like that. Just changed my whole mindset. Yeah. So first off, yo, make sure y'all please, please, please. Follow Kendall Ficklin on all platforms, uh, but not just hit the follow button, but like really follow the way that he moves because it's very, very impressive. Uh, if I must say so myself. So I guess let everybody know how you can, uh, how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, I do this all the time. Um, Google me, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because Google me. There was a time when you Google me and you see that mugshot from when I had. Mm-hmm. But I always tell people, let your good deeds outweigh your bad. Yeah. And so what I've done is all of the good that I've done has been has pushed down. That's why I drop so much content, because I'm looking for that that mugshot to go down, down, down. So now I don't even know what's what page it's on, but it ain't on no page that anybody gonna be able to pull up. Um, So if you Google Kendall Ficklin, I want you to see what comes up. I want you to see real. One of the things I love about you and what we do is. The way people see us on social or on video, the way they see you is the way you really are. Facts. And um, so we don't put up no pretenses. Yeah. Just Google me, Kendall Ficklin. Absolutely. Make sure y'all follow my boy, man. I appreciate you, Mr. Ficklin. Uh, give it like just just give us a, a motivational word to take us out of here, man. Yeah, let me give everybody some encouragement, right? So I always tell people I want to leave you with some encouragement. Um, whatever it is that you say that you want to accomplish, you can do it, right? Whatever it is that you're striving for, you can get it done. But here's the encouragement: it's gonna be hard as hell. I want to let everybody know, like, you're not going to do it without putting in the work, without having those difficult days, without waking up and your body aching, you crying, you're going to go broke. You might get the repo. You might lose the house. But if you really want and you really desire what it is that you want, you will fight your way through it. But it's going to be hard as hell. Just know that. (laughs) (laughs) But make sure you all follow Mr. Kendall Ficklin. Okay, yes. He is a social proof speaker, okay, two years in a row. He's probably going to be at every single social proof conference, okay, because the, the information is just so relatable. So, man, listen, if you are following me, if you are listening to this podcast, make sure you follow Mr. Kendall Ficklin. All right? We are out of here. Yo, this is your boy, Donald the Boys. Donald the Boys. 
And that's right. If you're listening, then you know a little bit of my swag, my production. I'm a voiceover artist, podcast producer, and also a little bit of a creative. And I want to offer you a special offer for this podcast listenership. That's right. Head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. And if you need any kind of commercials, promos, or advertisements, that then I'll be sure to hook you up. With prices starting as low as $50 for a fully produced commercial, I'm willing to give you the best value that you can get anywhere. So once again, head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. And I look forward to talking to you. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. In your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans. Like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FTIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details.